Welcome to the Daily Audio Bible Chronological. I'm China. Today is the 30th day of November. Welcome. Wow, here we are, you guys. We are at the very end of the month of November. It is insane how fast it has gone by, but here we are. And um, you know, we have one more month left together reading the Bible chronologically. And whether this is your first year or I don't even know multiple years of reading the Bible just straight through or chronologically,、um, I hope you feel so one like accomplished because I I truly do think that like reading the Bible should be something that Christians and Christ followers are doing.、Um, Frequently and daily, as it is our daily bread, and I know sometimes too that doesn't always happen. And but whether you've been here every single day or you've played catch up or you skipped to catch up,、uh, you're here. And the Lord is faithful and He's good and He's kind. And so,、um, yeah, I hope that you are having a good week and that you are really truly feeling. The hope of Jesus and the hope of our Savior, and、um, and just hopeful about whatever is going on in your life, any situations that are feeling without hope, may you know today just be a turning point and say, you know what, maybe these past few days haven't been very hopeful, or I've forgotten to put my attention there.、Um, you know, this week isn't over; we are still in the week of hope, and so may you just really center your eyes there. So today we are continuing on in the book of First Corinthians, the chapters five through eight, continuing on with the voice translation. Because of my deep love for you, I must express my concern about the report brought to me regarding the lewd and immoral behavior exhibited in your community. This scandal has come to my attention because this kind of thing is unheard of, even among the outsiders around us. I understand a man is having sexual relations with his father's wife. You have turned into an arrogant lot, who refuse to see the tragedy right in front of your eyes and mourn for it. If you would face these hard realities, the one living in this sin would be removed from the community. Despite the fact that I am not physically present with you, I am there in spirit and have already spoken judgment against the man who has engaged in this conduct. When you gather in the name of the Lord Jesus, and I am present with you in spirit, and the infinite power of our Lord Jesus is present also. I direct you to release this man over to Satan, to his rebellious nature will be destroyed, and his spirit might be rescued in the day the Lord Jesus returns. Your proud boasting in this matter is terrible. Don't you understand that the tiniest infraction can bring an unwelcome chain of events? That just a little yeast causes all the dough to rise. Get rid of all the old yeast, then you'll become new dough, just as you are already a people without sin's leavening influence. You see, the Anointed One is our Passover Lamb.、He、has been sacrificed for us. So let the real feast begin. Get rid of all the old yeast, the yeast of hatred and evil. Throw it out, so we can feast on the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Sexual sin is always painful, but incest decimates families and communities, and it leaves people isolated and angry. The danger for believers who understand the reality of sin. Is that they may lose sight of redemption and become complacent in their brokenness. In Corinth, the believers have become so complacent that they are ignoring the incest in their community. 
The church's reputation is beginning to suffer among outsiders. Church discipline, if properly done, accomplishes two things. First, it protects the community from harm caused by the sin. Second, it can lead to a restoration of the sinner to God and the community. Ignoring the sin actually makes the lives of the sinners worse. Real love confronts the sin and leads the sinners towards redemption and wholeness. In the letter I wrote to you previously, I made it clear that you are not to band together with those who have embraced immoral lives. Don't misunderstand. I'm not telling you to hole up and hunker down from the rest of the world. That's impossible. The world is filled with immoral people consumed by their desire for more. They steal from one another without hesitation and will worship man-made idols with no shame at all. If you attempted to avoid these people, you would have to leave the world itself. What I was saying is that you should not associate with someone who calls himself a brother or sister, but lives contrary to all we stand for. Committing immoral sexual acts, consumed with desire for more, worshiping tangible lifeless things, using profanity, drinking into oblivion, swindling and cheating others. Do not even sit at the table with a person like this. Why would I ever attempt to judge those outside the church? Aren't we called to judge those within the church? God judges the outsiders. Your job is this. Expel the wicked from your own community. Here's number, another troubling issue. If you have a grievance against another follower of Jesus, do you have the audacity to bring that brother or sister into the civil courts rather than submitting yourselves to the authority of God's people? Don't you know that his people are destined to judge the world? If you have the authority to judge the world, can't you handle these small matters and render a better judgment than the civil courts? Further, don't you know that we are destined to judge the heavenly messengers? So if we are to exercise authority in the heavenly realms, can't we take care of the conflicts that arise in this life? To put it in another way, if you are asking the courts to educate your mundane conflicts, aren't you placing your problems under the authority of judges who have no standing within the church? My words should embarrass you. Is it possible that you have no one among you with the wisdom to mediate between two siblings. So one brother sues another brother in public and drags the dispute before the outsiders who have no allegiance to Jesus. The truth is that these public lawsuits cause all you to lose and lose big. Wouldn't it be better to be ripped off or defrauded? In fact, you are guilty of ripping off and defrauding your own brothers and sisters, not the other way around. Do you need reminding that the unjust have no share in the blessings of the kingdom of God? Do not be misled. A lot of people stand to inherit nothing of God's kingdom, including those whose lives are defined by sexual immorality, idolatry, adultery, sexual deviancy, theft, greed, drunkenness, slander, and swindling. Some of you used to live in all these ways, but you are different now. You've been washed clean, set apart, restored, and set on the right path in the name of the Lord Jesus, the anointed by the spirit of our living God. In the same way that some seek to reduce Christianity to a philosophy or a set of ideas, others seek to reduce it to a set of rules for living. If true faith is about only eating certain foods, abstaining from others, and avoiding certain practices, then willpower must be more important than the spirit of God. But following stringent rules is not that easy. Actually, living by willpower is hard. Some might say impossible. Paul is preaching about an alternative to a life governed by rules and restrictions. 
And that's a life of faith that embraces grace. What Paul is about to describe is a life of freedom that surpasses a life of rule-keeping. I can hear some of you saying, For me, all things are permitted. But face the facts. All things are not beneficial. So you say, For me, all things are permitted. Here's my response. I will not allow anything to control me. Another chimes in, Food is for the stomach, and the stomach is for food. I suppose so, but a day will come when God will dispense with both food and the stomach. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. The Lord is over all, and He cares about your body. God has raised the Lord Jesus from death, but He won't stop there. His dynamic power will raise us up from the grips of death as well. Don't you realize that your bodies are members of the Anointed One? So shouldn't I take the members of the Anointed One and unite them to a prostitute? This illicit union should never take place. Don't you understand that when your body is joined with a prostitute, the two of you have become one body? For as it says, the two become together as one flesh. But when you are joined with the Lord, you become one spirit with Him. Run from immoral behavior. All other sins are disconnected from the body, but sexual morality is a sin against your own body. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, who comes from God and dwells inside of you? You do not own yourself. You've been purchased at a great price. So use your body to bring glory to God. Salvation is a costly proposition. You and your body belong to God. So use your body for the work of God, not for selfish pursuits. Now to the topics you raised in your last letter. Some have said, It is better for a man to abstain from having sex with his wife. Well, I disagree. Because of our tendency to embrace immoralities, each man should feel free to join together in sexual intimacy with his own wife, and each woman should join with her own husband. Husbands and wives have reciprocal duties. Each husband has the responsibility to meet his wife's sexual desires, and each wife should do the same for her husband. In marriage, neither the husband nor the wife should act as if her or his body is private property. Your bodies now belong to one another and together they are whole. So do not withhold sex from one another, unless both of you have agreed to devote a certain period of time to prayer. When the agreed time is over, come together again so that Satan will not tempt you when you are on short, when you are short on self-control. But I'm trying to encourage you and give you some wise counsel, so don't take this advice as a command. I wish that all of you could live as I do, unmarried. But the truth is that all people are different each gifted by God in various and dissimilar ways. Paul's teaching to the Corinthians about marriage stands in contrast to the message in Genesis 2, where God declares that it is not good to be alone. There he sculpts woman from the rib of the man. It was molded so that the man and woman fit perfectly together, and God blesses marriage as a good and beautiful thing. So is Paul contradicting the declaration of the Creator God when he suggests that it might be better for some people to choose an unmarried life. Absolutely not. Marriage is a sacred union, but it is possible that many will be able to serve God more fully if they do not have the limitations that come with marriage and family. Paul shares his advice humbly based on his own experience. The tension between the beauty of marriage and the freedom from marital obligations is one we should all explore. As we come to our own conclusions, we must also carry them humbly, remembering that one is not better than the other. To those who are unmarried or widowed, here's my advice. It's a good thing to stay single as I do. 
If they do not have self-control, they should go ahead and get married. It is better to marry than to be obsessed with sexual urges. To those who are married, here's my command. To be clear, this isn't merely my opinion. It comes from the teaching of the Lord Jesus. It is not right for a wife to leave her husband. If she does, she must either remain single or reconcile with her husband. But she should not remarry someone else. Likewise, the husband should not divorce his wife. To everyone else, here's my counsel. This is not a direct command from the Lord. It is my opinion. If a brother has a wife who does not believe Jesus' teachings and the truth of his resurrection, he is to stay with her as long as she is willing to live with him. The same is true for any sister. You should not leave your husband even if he has no allegiance to Jesus. Here's the reason. An unbelieving husband is consecrated by that union, touched by the grace of God through his believing wife. And the same is true when the husband is a man of faith and he's wed to an unbelieving wife. His wife is consecrated through their union. If this weren't so, your children wouldn't be pure. But as it is when faith enters in, God sets apart these children to be used uniquely for his purposes. If the unbelieving spouse decides the marriage is over, then let him or her go. The believing partner is freed from the marital vows because God has called you to peace. Remember that anything is possible. So the life you lead and the love you show under this strain may be what finally liberates your partner. So here's my instruction to all the churches. Each must live with the gifts the Lord Jesus grants you and the call God offers you. When you heard the voice of Jesus, what were your circumstances? Were you living as a circumcised Jew? If so, then don't try to undo your circumcision. Were you living as if you were an uncircumcised outsider? If so, you don't need to become a Jew. You see, whether you are circumcised or not, these outward signs aren't the issue. The way you live out the commands of God is what really matters. It is important for all people to live out faith in the circumstances they know. The call to faith is not a call to abandon your life, family, neighborhood, and culture. We must play with the hand God deals us, not look for a new deck. He works through faith to redeem broken lives and wasted years, not to prov provide a change of scenery. Even in the worst circumstances, faith can change the believer from the inside. Do you hear God's voice while you were a slave? Don't be concerned. But if the opportunity comes to gain your freedom, then take it. For the slave who hears the Lord's call is set free to belong to the Lord. In the same way, the so-called free person is called to become a slave of the anointed one. A high price has been paid for your freedom. So don't devalue God's investment by becoming a slave to people. My brothers and sisters, each of you should remain in whatever external circumstances you were in when God called you. Now, when it comes to unmarried young women, I do not have a command from our Lord. The best I can give you is to give my advice as a trustworthy brother who knows the Lord's mercy well. Because of the challenging times we live in, I think the best plan is to stay as you are. If you are married, don't divorce. If you are single, there is no need to get married. But if you decide to get married, this is not a sin. There's nothing wrong with a young woman taking a husband. But know that marriage is not easy and those who marry will face hard times. I'm only trying to protect you. But hear what I say, brothers and sisters. The time is short and growing shorter. 
So for the time remaining, even if you have wives, live with the undivided focus of those who do not have them. Those who cry should live as those who have no tears. Those who rejoice should live as those who have no pleasure. Those who buy things should live as those who do not possess anything. If you make use of this rebellious and broken world, live as you have no use for it, because the form of this world is fading away. My primary desire is for you to be free from the worries that plague humanity. A single man can focus on the things of the Lord and how to please the Lord. But a married man has to worry about the details of the here and now and how to please his wife. A married man will always have divided loyalties. The same idea is true for a young unmarried woman. She concerns herself only with the work of the Lord and how to dedicate herself entirely, body and spirit, to her Lord. On the other hand, a married woman has vast responsibilities for her family and a desire to please her husband. I'm not trying to give you more rules and regulations. I only want to give you advice that is fitting and helpful. I want to help you live lives of faithful devotion with the Lord without any distraction. But I have this advice for every single man. If anyone thinks he's behaving badly towards his fiance, he desires prove if his desires prove to be too much for him, and if he feels the the they ought to marry, then he should do what he wants. It is not wrong to marry her. It is better that we let men and women in this situation do as they wish and get married. The man has no compulsion and chooses not to marry his fiancée, but commits himself to live a celibate life for the sake of following God and has the strength to live out his conviction, and he's doing a good thing. So those who marry do a good thing, and they will share in a holy blessing. Those who do not marry do an even better thing because they are part of an even greater blessing in the service of God. A wife should stay by her husband's side all of his life, but if he dies, she is free to marry any man she wishes as long as it is in the Lord. You can likely guess that in my opinion, this woman would be better off to remain single. And I think that I have insight from God's spirit. As to the concern of eating food dedicated to idols, we know that all of us have knowledge, but knowledge can be risky. Knowledge promotes overconfidence and worse arrogance. But charity of the heart, love that is, looks to build up others. Just because a person presumes to have some bit of knowledge, that person doesn't necessarily have the right kind of knowledge. But if someone loves God, and it is certain that God has already known that one. So address your concerns about eating food offered to idols. Let me start with what we know. An idol is essentially nothing, as there is no other god but the one. And even if the majority believes there are so many called gods in heaven and on earth, certainly many worship such gods and lords, this is not our view. For us, there is one god, the father who is the ultimate source of all things, and the goal of our lives. And there is one lord, Jesus the anointed, as liberating king. Through him, all things were created. And by him we are redeemed. But this knowledge is not in everyone. Up until now, some have been so familiar with idols and what goes on in the temples, that when they eat meat that has been offered first to some idol, their weak consciences are polluted. This is the issue. Again, here is what we know. What we eat will not bring us closer to God. We gain nothing in feasting and lose nothing by fasting. 
Now let me warn you. Don't let your newfound liberty cause those who don't know this to fail, to fall face first. Let's say a person, someone who knows Jesus, sees you eating in the temple of an idol. And because the person with a weaker conscience is still unsure of things, he becomes confident, follows your lead, and eats idol food. Now, because of your knowledge on display in your conduct, the weaker brother or sister for whom the anointed one died is destroyed, ruined. What's more, by living according to your knowledge, you have sinned against these brothers and sisters and wounded their weak consciences. And because you sinned against them, you have sinned against the anointed one, the liberating king. So if any type of food is an issue that causes my brothers and sisters to fall away from God, then God forbid I should ever eat again so that I would never be the crack, the rise, or the rod, the rock on the road that causes them to stumble. Sometimes I have a hard time with Paul's scriptures. And maybe if I actually understood who he was um, and like knew him, I would be able to have a better understanding for sure. But some things that he says are just so dang black and white that I'm like, interesting, interesting perspective. You know, like the whole singleness thing. Um, I just feel like that's super black and white. It's like either get married and you're like, yeah, you're blessed, but be single and you are super mega blessed. It's like, what? Wait, time out. I hear what you're saying. I hear the point that you're making, but it's also where he's like, be like me. And I'm like, okay, we're having another John situation here, aren't we? <laughs> the one whom Jesus loved. Um, but I, I definitely hear what he's saying. I think people have, I'm sure, better thoughts and formulated opinions than I do about Paul. And I don't really have a problem with him. I think sometimes he's so black and white that it's like, okay, can I introduce you to some color? Which I'm sure is how people in my life feel about me. My brain is very, very black and white as well. Um, but in this circumstance of talking about, um, you know, sexual immorality, I do think that it's, it's good what he's saying. Um, I know that traditional viewpoints are not popular anymore now like where we have um people confused about what gender they are and trying to claim that you know there's just an attack from the enemy on our identity and who we are made in the image of god right and so we see this in so many different areas where an example is like an attack truly on identity so much so that you could claim to be a different gender than what you were born or that you are without gender and um that's just not how god created it and i'm doing exactly what paul said like we i'm not gonna do you a disservice and not tell you the truth like this is the truth and i'm telling it to you in love and so we we see that attack we see the attack um on family with um i saw something years ago that said the enemy will try to drive a couple together so much before they get married and then try to drag them apart um, once they are married. And I was like, yeah, I can definitely see that um, for sure. And so I do think, you know, in the church, we need people talking more about this topic. It's uncomfortable. And really there's only one person that I can think of off the top of my head that her and her husband have a podcast and um, they have done some really great 
work and honest conversations about talking about topics that no one really wants to talk about because they're uncomfortable and like will i have vulnerability hangover after this or does this protect me or people are going to think less of me afterwards you know just different things like that and i get it i understand and at the same time keeping things in the dark continues to keep things in the dark and it actually is just an invitation for other people to keep it in the dark too so i do think that there's a lot of value in what he's saying um but when i was kind of talking about like traditional values where it's like the man is the head of the home and the wife is his partner and is submitting to him you know that there's a a war on that right now even where there's this kind of like awakening where the woman should be a strong independent woman and i'm like you know that resonates with me because i (laughs) i'm strong i'm very independent but i also know my place biblically and i know my place in the um the role of a household and the role of family and what God has orchestrated. And so I can still be strong. I can still have my independence. But when it's outside of what God has ordained, I'm actually out of the line. And um, I'm not allowing my husband to, to live in the identity that God has called and created him to as well. And so I will say that. Uh, and so I'm kind of leading into what I feel like may rub people the wrong way about what Paul says about sex and about intimacy, where it's like, your body doesn't belong to you and your spouse's body doesn't belong to them. And basically like anytime they ask, like you should be able to have it. Um, I think the point that he is trying to make here is if you are going to deny it, um, it's better to give because there could be temptation outside of um, like being like, ah, no, 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 no. And so I, that that could be a tricky slope because it's like well wait like time out like you're saying that if i say no to my spouse like they're gonna go and look for other place other places they shouldn't right but also um you know if if it's i don't know i don't want to say like an x amount of time because i don't feel like that's my space but i don't also think if this is what paul is trying to say then i don't agree with it but every time your spouse is like in the mood i don't think you have to say yes like i just don't think that that's real like i think consent is still real in marriage and even like just being super vulnerable like even during if you're like hey like i'm just not feeling like you should be able to say that and there has to be respect for it um and all my postpartum mom said amen and amen (laughs) that's like that's just real and if that makes you uncomfortable i'm sorry um but there are some things that you know they just don't get talked about in the capital c church and um you know i'm not gonna like air out all of my things either just because it's like if you have questions we can chat but also like that it is a huge vulnerability thing you know but anyways all this to say i i i hear where paul is coming from i think what he's saying is rooted in goodness and sometimes his delivery is a little too intense for me and i feel like i'm intense i'm black and white but he does say like hey i think it's kind of like a disclaimer on his end like i do believe that i'm hearing from the lord in this and so yeah maybe like we don't fully know you know like that's a big deal to claim christ behind what you're saying and so i don't think that he would be someone who would abuse it i really believe that he his heart is good and true So Lord, I just thank you for your word today. I thank you for the insights and the wisdom that you gave Paul. And ultimately, God, I thank you that his heart was that people would be well, 
and that people would seek you and put you first. And God, really, anything can be made into idols in modern day. Like, you know it, you see it. Um, family can become idolized. Uh, a marriage can become idolized. Our children can be idolized. Our spouses or our, our job positions, really anything that we are putting before you is misplaced. And so God, I pray that there would just be a level of humility in our hearts and recognize that from you are all things. And so we want to give to you all things. And so just understanding that we should hold things in a place of surrender and gosh, how tricky that is as you're showing me that. Um, But God, I pray that we would be people who are just aware of the things of your kingdom and just be aware that when we are kingdom minded, there is a kingdom of darkness who ultimately wants after us too. And so we just see the areas of where the enemy has tried to come in, where he's tried to attack on family and, and marriage and even intimacy. And Lord, I just thank you that You set people's words and actions in motion long ago that would transcend all the way till now that would still have a rippling effect of holiness and um, just wholeness. And so God, I pray that if we are married or if we are single, that we would seek you first, that we would ask you, Lord, do you have marriage for me? And God, I thank you that you give us the desires of our hearts. You place the the desires in our hearts and then you fulfill the desires in our hearts. Um, and so I pray that we would seek you out, that we would truly be in dependence with you, God, that we would depend on you for um, the questions to ask and the answers to fulfill them. And um, yeah, Father, I just thank you for um, the the people who are married in this community. God, I bless their, their marriage and their unity. I speak hope and um, love and joy and peace and patience, gentleness, kindness, kindness and faithfulness and self-control and god i just pray that um that your peace would fill each and every single home that you have the ability to give that much peace that much love and um god that you would steward relationships well that you would cultivate them well that communication would be clear and pure and the holy spirit would stand guard over each and every single mouth in homes and um yeah i thank you god that it's not too late to have these moments kindled in marriages and God, I just pray over the singles that they would truly desire you first. I, God, you know, you know that I did not wait patiently, that I did not wait perfectly, but that I, I waited upon you and I really sought you out. And so I just pray that people would understand that that's the most important thing. The most important thing is not to be married and to... Um, have children, although that's what you've created us for. And so I believe that your answer would be yes, if that's what we desire. But God, I pray that that wouldn't be what our heart is so set on that we are missing the things of you and that we aren't even consulting you or praying or asking you. And so I pray, Lord, that you would be the center of it all. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Hi, DAB, DABC family. This is one beloved daughter. I am calling on behalf of a friend who lives in Cape Town, South Africa, whose name happens to be Jasmine Thompson, no relation, of course. But um, we've been friends for years online here. And um, she is a Christian, uh, but she very, very poor, normally has no place to go, no heat, no, um, you know, in the winter, it's not cool in the summer. 
and no place to go, no food. Um, lost her mother a few years ago, um, has her son who they have a great relationship normally, but now he has a girlfriend, they have a baby, and the girlfriend um, now has kind of turned her son against her because I don't know what the problem is with the girlfriend, but she is against um, Jasmine, you know, and so they're, and, you know, Jasmine's other siblings aren't nice to her, so she doesn't have really any love in her, in her life. She just, she has this very sorrowful life. She's crying all the time. She's very, very sad, but she has so much strong faith in the Lord, never complains. I mean, I'm just in awe of her faithfulness to the Lord, and she cannot connect to apps like DAB and so forth. And so I just ask you to please, please pray for her. Pray for her to be able to connect to DAB and resources and send people in her life to show her the love of Jesus so she's not alone and sitting just only over there in her suffering. My time is up, but please, please pray for everything the Lord will lead you to. Thank you so much. I love you. Good afternoon, Daily Audio Bible Community. This is Diane Olive and Jeff Brown calling on Thanksgiving Day, November 24th, and I'm calling to respond to Brian from London. And this is just a prayer request. And I, what I wanted to say was, um, how I just love Daily Audio Bible. I love you. And I'm answering on chronological or Jill was speaking about in the book of Galatians, the first three chapters. I love, love, love the book of Galatians. And here's my favorite verse in the book of Galatians. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it is not I who live. It is Christ who lives within me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And I want you all to know that I pray for everybody, but I only respond to one person usually each day. And I want to respond to Daniel from United Kingdom. You have a deep voice and you prayed the prayer I got from the Lord in the last few months, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened unto you. And it is uh, Pat, my friend, um, gave me that. And I was crying. I called her and she, I was crying. I don't know how. I don't know how. She said, yes, you do. She said, just take scriptures the Lord gives you and meditate on them and believe. Hi, DABC family. This is Gosh Child. Um, I just finished listening to the recording uh, uh, recorded on uh, the 24th. Um, and I was so encouraged by Diana's Diana from Indiana's prayer uh, for those um, battling with um, uh, mental illness. I personally deal with a lot of anxiety, um, and I was so encouraged by her prayer. So I just wanted to pray alongside with her. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for my dear sister. Um, thank you that you placed um, this um, uh, prayer that she prayed um, for those dealing with um, with mental illness. Lord, I just want to pray alongside with her. Um, I pray that you would touch any and everyone um, in this uh, in this ministry in this platform dealing with um, the sickness. Um, or any emotional instability. Um, Lord, you know I personally deal with worrying and fear. And um, Lord, I just ask that you would touch our hearts and our minds and that you would bring healing, oh Lord Jesus, and that you would cast out um, every fear and every anxiety, Lord God. Um, your word says that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. And Lord, I just claim this um, in my life. And also, I pray also for anyone dealing with anxiety or depression. I thank you, Lord Jesus, um, for hearing my prayer and the prayers of Diana and those um, who have prayed, Lord. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.